Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a bird, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. Gain new knowledge for a fresh new start. Day Network will bring you there. So let's talk about it when life and on the air. Good morning, everyone. This is Fran Lewis. This is MJ Network, MJ in memory of my sister, Marsha Joyce. And this is going to be so cool. We have Adam Frost here, the author of The Damned Lovely. And I'm only going to give you a smidgen of what it's about because there are people on the line listening, and I'm not going to give it away. When a beautiful and mysterious new patron comes to the bar, turns up murdered, Sam can't stop himself from getting involved. Sam's called. Despite their fleeting interaction or perhaps because of it, something about her ghost won't let go. And I'm not going to tell you any more. Good morning and welcome to MJ Network. So cool. Thanks, man. I'm excited to be here. So give us a bit of a summary. Tell us about this and tell us about Sam and the first scene. And once I started to read your book, I couldn't put it down. Really, seriously. Oh, thank you. Oh, thanks. Uh, the Damn Lovely is the name of a dive bar in Glendale, which is a sort of suburb of Los Angeles. And uh, I would say a, a less, uh, at times, glorious suburb of Los Angeles. Um, but it's... Um, and the first scene sort of sets the table about this, uh, all the players at the at the bar that, that are our hero, Sam, who is at a bit of a crossroads in his life, trying to, uh, he sort of quit a marketing job and is trying to write the great American novel, and it's going from bad to worse. And in the first scene, we meet uh, a lot of the other bar flies that hang out at the at the bar. I was a big fan of the show Cheers growing up, so I kind of wanted to do a sort of Cheers noir. Um, and so we sort of meet uh, all these sort of souls that are trying to find uh, some traction in life <laughs> uh, with varying degrees of success. Bar, bars seem to be the place where people go to meet a lot of people. I know that. And I don't yeah, know, you have to really be careful. Yeah, I mean, I have a fascination with with dive bars insofar that I, I feel like if they they have this sort of cross section of people, in my experience, mm-hmm. who are are really sort of uh, well, they can be sort of struggling. And I find when it, you know, in terms of you know, creating a drama, that's a it's a great it's a great springboard. I know. I I, I wasn't allowed. Ever till this day. Was allowed never. what to go to a, to go to the bar? Never, ever allowed to go to a bar. No, as a matter of fact, um, I belong. I was the vice president of my of my um, social organization, my house plan, when I was in college. And even then, my mom said, "Well, where are you going to have the dances, and where are you going to meet these people?" She she was. I, are you kidding? 
Not, not even, not even <laughs> close. As I get nervous because my nephews are in their twenties and they go to bars, but they go with friends. And they go okay. strictly just to, you know, just to whatever. But you know, there's nothing wrong with it. But you got to be careful. So, the Dim Lovely sounds like a cool place, but they have a whole bunch of people. So tell us about Giles, my favorite character, Slice. Jules, Rooster, and Pa. How did you create them? Because they're definitely different, and they're definitely not boring. Oh, good. Yeah, I, I, I kind of wanted um, a wide range of of people who who would sort of be our main players in this. And Giles, uh, Giles is an ex-cop, and uh, you know, there's a line in there that his, his wife told him to stop drinking and take up a hobby, and so he he decided to. Mm. Uh, run a bar um, and a place for his his sort of soldiers to come and commiserate and so it's not it's not a cop bar per se but it's it's mm-hmm. definitely it attracts a lot of ex cops and among those is this guy named nicknamed Slice and uh, who's uh, sort of has this mysterious past but no one really knows about but he was sort of uh, a hero back in the day and has sort of uh, passed the exit. And then Jules is this, um, is the, is the, this waitress there who mm. is in her early 20s, very big contrast to them. And then you got Rooster, and he's the guy in the corner. He's got a laptop. He doesn't talk to anybody. He drinks Diet Coke. Nobody really knows much about him, uh, except mm. they call him the Rooster because there's a rooster on his on his laptop. Mm. And then lastly, I think mostly is Pa, who Pa's the <clears throat> sort of old timer. He was a he was a surgeon uh, out of Eagle Rock, which is an area in Los Angeles on the east side. And uh, had sort of a disastrous fall from grace as a surgeon, and uh, and and so yeah, those are some of the some of the major players in the in the book. Well, I imagine when people go to bars, they get all sorts of people that you don't know, and sometimes you know you walk in and you just want to just look at people and say, I wonder what they really do, I wonder why they're really here, and sometimes people just come by, I guess, because they're lonely, they just want company, and they have nothing else. So the, you yeah, never know. Yeah, that's the sort of magic. That's the magic because you don't know. Yeah. You know, it can it can be it can be incredible to meet someone who who you share commonalities with and you have a drink and you, or it can sort of go the other way where it's this guy's crazy. Uh, and I hope he's going to be okay. And sometimes they are, and sometimes they aren't. That's true too. And sometimes I wonder how many bartenders actually watch and see if somebody doesn't get polluted. And make sure they send them home in a cab. Sometimes I'm supposed they're supposed to do that, right? If somebody is uh, so. really out I, of it, I think I, I I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, but but that sort of sets up where the book you know launches off because Sam, yeah. who h- hangs out there uh, and he's our hero, sort of sees this woman uh, sitting at the bar reading a book, which is. Yeah, it's a very sort of a u- unique sight, and he's really struck by her. Sort of physically, she's wearing his hat, and kind of feels like she's out of a of a noir book. And um, but he doesn't talk to her because he yeah. He why doesn't, doesn't he talk courage. to her? 
Well, I, I don't. He just doesn't have the courage, or or he figures, you know, there'll be a better chance sometime down the line. Um, you know, another time if she's been she's been to the bar a few times. So, uh, but that all gets sort of derailed when this this sort of big lug alpha male who Sam calls this sort of frat boy starts hitting on her and sort of uh, yeah. getting, getting in her space and annoying her and Graham sort of sticks up for her and says, yo, just back off. And <laughs> and it goes from bad to worse because he sort of steps, he gets into a fight with this guy and he gets, his, he gets totally beat up. Um, he gets knocked out and sort of gets revived by the by the barflies to sort of, and he doesn't know what happened, but all he has left of her is this is this shirt that she left behind with yeah a bit of his blood on it, and uh, yeah, so she he's sort of enamored by who this woman was and and that he never he didn't get a chance to talk to her before before getting beat up by this guy. So he goes to defend her, and he gets hurt. So how does this lead to what happens next, and what happens when he finds out somebody killed her? So he's he's not going to stop until he finds out who it is. Yeah, it was his first like it was his first fight. He finally, you know, stood up for this woman. He was dying to know who she was, and then she turns up murdering him. So all of a sudden, he's just sort of he's just the hook is set in trying to find out just who was she, what was what happened, and and. And then it sort of breaks in the paper that she was the victim of this uh, serial killer in in Glendale, uh, and and he's really still even even then just wants to know more. And so um, he doesn't actually sort of want to find out who killed her at first. He just mm. he just wants to know who she was in this world. And then so he. He starts going to, as you would do. He googles her and 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 sort of mm. tries to figure out if there's commonalities. He, he finds out he's got a, a common Facebook friend, but he can't really source who that is. And so he, um, yeah, he ends up sort of crashing her funeral, pretending to be a friend, <laughs> and uh, and and sort of lying to this this common Facebook friend. And, and again, just tries to figure out who she was. He was really like, for some reason, sometimes you just meet somebody and you just want to know, but you don't know why. You have no idea why you I want to know so. who they are, but somehow you just you just want to know. Yeah, I remember, like, I, I was once at a museum, and I was walking around, and there was this young woman there, and I was just... I, 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 we were sort of on the same path, you know, like where you go from one room to mm-hmm. the next room to the next room, and I, and to this day, I keep, I, I keep wondering, like, God, I really wonder who she was. What I, I, that was like years ago, and I still yeah. think about it. And uh, I think sometimes there's just these, these, these points of intersection that are really fascinating. It's amazing. So what is his method of investigation, and where does he begin? Because what does Sam do, basically? Well, Sam Sam is, is just a writer. He's, uh, he doesn't yes, really, I thought. He's not, yeah, he's not a PI. He's not, 
he's not an investigator. Uh, what he is, though, is is very uh, obsessed with finding out about this woman. And what he has mm-hmm. in, his, in his arsenal is access to all these cops who hang out at the bar. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of which is sort of leading the investigation on on this. He's called the Glendale Grabber, which uh, Sam calls the worst possible, worst name for a serial, serial killer in history. And so he sort of te- he gets invited, he gets tagged along to go to the morgue to see her, and mm. um, and it's 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 a very jarring experience for him uh, to sort of witness. You know, you sort of project these these fantasies and these ideas about who someone is, and then to see them, you know, murdered on a slab is, is very different, and it sort of it almost makes things worse and sort of uh, belittles any fantasy and, and just sort of the stark reality that someone actually really hurt this woman in a, in a cruel, cruel, cruel way. And again, it, it's, he, he becomes infatuated with finding out who might, who would do that specifically. Like he finds uh, there's some scratches on her body and mm-hmm. And for a cop who, because he, he's sort of there with the cop, and the cop says, "Yeah, okay, scratches." You know that we, he, yeah, those are just any old scratches. Cops do that all the time, but for Sam, it has a more personal resonance. And then there's the, all these little sort of wiggles of like, wait a second, the scratches were three days before the murder, and so along the way, he sort of discovers these in, these discrepancies that. Um, don't really line up with the cop's line, the cop's theory that the serial killer was behind it. And so, you know, he tries to figure out on his own using using mm-hmm. their playbook to try and figure out uh, what might have happened. I love doing that too. I watch Vanished <laughs> and Cold Justice and un- yeah. un- Uncover Secrets and all that stuff. And and I love yeah. when they when when she puts the board up and stuff, and I try to figure out which one of those guys did it. I'm pretty good <laughs> after reading all good, these books. Yeah. It's, it's great if you if you really want to write a, a scary murder mystery. Those are the programs you need to watch, cause especially um, mur- murdered by whatever and deaths in Atlanta and um, the last person's last moments. Oh, they're so called scary, but good. So what a yeah, backdoor dream. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah, and before before writing this book, I was working on a TV show called Castle, and, and that was sort of a murder of the week. So for five mm-hmm. years, I worked on a TV show where it was nothing mm-hmm. but okay. How do we how do we um, make a, a, a dynamic murder mystery this week? And I swear. By the end of it, or not, you know, through in the middle of it, even I was like, I think I could be a really good cop. Of course, the, I, I, it's, it's the worst. Uh, it's not real at all. It's very different. It's all Hollywood. It's TV. But you mm-hmm. get in this mindset that, like, well, maybe I would be pretty good at figuring out. And I, I think it's fascinating all these sort of internet tracking murder boards online mm-hmm. that uh, are able to really actually crack cases and. and and move the needle on some of these investigations. 
Well, criminal minds really uses a lot, and I wonder how much of what they use there is really real. When Penelope gets onto a computer and can find things, and you actually could see the <laughs> the criminal crime as it happens, I go like, I, I wish they could do that in real life. I don't know. It's <laughs> yeah. Scary. Yeah, there was there was definitely uh, some leniency uh, that we took, uh, artistic leniency, uh, bending the truth, finding killers on on, on the show I was on. But anyway. So what are backyard dreams, and why did Sam want to meet the man behind the charity? And who is Susan Glazer? What's her role there? Now getting into this, people. Right. Yeah, so as he sort of carries along on his journey to figure out what was going on with her, he discovers that she was volunteering at a, at a very uh, noble charity called Backyard Dreams, and... And except he, she had told one of her friends that there was maybe something a little, little rotten at the, at the charity, and so Sam sort of decides to figure out what exactly was the role there. What did that mean? Did, did that have something to do with why she got scratched? He doesn't really mm. know, and he doesn't really have a good investigation. But when he gets there, he discovers, you know, this woman who's who's sort of uh, putting in hard work, um, and. When he gets there, so it's this woman, Susan, and sort of meets her, and there's nothing really remarkable about it, but he does find a picture of, of the victim in, uh, in, in, in the boss, the sort of the leader of the, of the charity in his office. And so putting two and two together, the boss is a, a married guy, and he figured there might be some shenanigans going on there. And so finally he has a potential line on who might have, uh, who might have been intimate with her, who might have scratched her, who might have, um, who might have done this. And so he, he sort of approaches this guy, Glenn, to see, to see if, 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 if there's any validity to his theory. Yeah, so how come he, vol- he meets him and he volunteers to work there? How come? He volunteers there. That's 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 brave. <laughs> it's brave. I mean, on the face of it, the, the charity, I don't think there's anything sort of insidious about the charity. And so he sort of says, well, I'll, I'll pretend to be a, a, a noble citizen uh, just trying to put my good foot forward with a very, very uh, dubious agenda of, of really just trying to mine what mm. what kind of information he can get on, on, on this woman. So he he thinks his best course of action is to volunteer at their offices and and try and, and just learn about what, what's going on there. So why does he think they might be the reason she was killed or the killer? And who does he who do they accuse? He accuses the uh, the the boss who 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 mm-hmm. he knows is married and has a has a picture sort of stuck in a book in his office of of, of Josie that's the victim and mm-hmm. he and he it's just these sort of these little markers along the way that that keep igniting this theory that maybe something maybe somebody more than the Glendale grabber killed her, that it wasn't just the serial killer, that that there was some sort of mystery here that that makes sense. And I think so he sort of goes after this guy to to sort of see if 
if in fact he he might have. Uh, but of course, it all blows up in his face, and I think that was sort of intentional, obviously. But uh, he sort of hits these walls along the way, and he sort of gives up the case, and then he gets pulled back into it, and, and that's sort of the fun of, of the story. So who is Allison Hager, and why does he contact her, and what happens? How does she fit into this? Oh, yeah, Allison is the, um, Allison is, is, he discovers a a common friend that he has with Josie. Mm. You know, sometimes, uh, like, I've got Facebook friends that I'm like, how the heck do I even know this person? And I... And I have to sort of mm. jog my memory that oh yeah, twenty years ago I was. Yeah, she was an interesting guy. character. I like her. Yeah, and at first she's just this point of intersection between our hero and the victim, and it turns out they have a common friend in their you know his sister uh, back he's in Portland, and this woman Allison uh, are friends and they had met along the way and so, at first you know he this he just. He sort of uses her as a tool to try and get more information about mm. Josie, the victim. Uh, but as the story progresses, he he gets to know her and and he brings her to the damn lovely early on and sort of says and lies and says he was good friends with, with Josie. And then Allison starts sort of digging a little deeper and finds it very strange that Sam would bring her on a date to the very bar that she last saw the victim at. Mm. And so she sort of, she sort of checks him and says, this is not cool. <laughs> and as the other bar flies look around and say, well, what was all that about? Sam realizes he, you know, he sort of overstepped. But as the story goes along, she becomes a bit of a moral compass to him because as he sort of goes down this wormhole of, of fascination and obsession about what happened to this woman, mm. she sort of she she sort of regulates like what he's doing is not okay, and 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 as his as his escapades sort of escalate, as his drinking increases, as as things get a little out of control, she's the one trying to pump the brakes and and and. Not not really a love interest, but more sort of like a, just a genuine friend uh, to him because he doesn't have a lot of those. That doesn't happen too often. That's really nice about the fact that they just become friends. And I won't tell you any more than that because that's a secret. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. how does Sam learn about the Patriot song? Hmm, Patriot song. And who are they, and why does he want to meet Magnet Max? Whoa. Yeah, so this is sort of getting into sort of the, I guess, the deeper part of the book, but what he also discovers is that uh, there's this organization out there that that um, is sort of this radical right very sort of radical theory on 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 how to live and sort of these they're called patriot strong and it's about these mm-hmm. a group of individuals led by this charismatic guy named they call magnet max and he's a podcaster and he has this very devout following and this sort of bizarre fundamental 
you know, men should rule the world, women should be subservient ideas. <laughs> and, and, but despite all this, there's an intersection with Josie. And so he sort of, after, after his lead, you know, everything, you know, he, he, he sort of hits a wall with, with anything that happens at the, at the charity. And so he finds some intersection with this group and he says, aha, there's gotta be, there's gotta be some connection to Josie's death and these guys, because whatever, you know, it appears that all the values that Josie had are in contrast to, to a, a place like this. And so he, after, after much sort of, uh, <laughs> after much turmoil, puts his sleuthing hat back on and sort of struggles to to figure out more, see if there was some intersection or if there's some way that uh, that Josie might have got on the wrong side of these guys. That's scary. But, you know, but I've read about, I don't know how many books in the last two weeks, probably a lot, too many. And um, a lot of them are written about the, they, they think women should not be, should be seen and never heard. And a lot of them. I hope they're know, the bad guys, man. I hope they're the bad guys. <laughs> I hope they're the. They're, they're the they are the bad guys. I'm gonna tell you, this person is definitely seen and heard. Trust me. And that will oh, never yeah. happen. Yeah, not my family uh, either. Not my nieces. I taught them. I said, you speak up and speak out. There's a way to do it, but you want to be heard. And that's important. Yeah, I, I grew up a very progressive. Uh, my mother was a very progressive. Uh, visionary and and the idea, the idea of of an organization like Patriot Strong who says women should be subservient is uh, and, and, I'm, and I'm married to a very, uh, progressive woman and and I just, just I can't imagine a world I can't imagine a, an opposite world and so I'm I'm happy to uh, villainize people who think otherwise that the women should should be subservient in any way. And my mother told me, if you have a question, I'll answer it for you. If you want to know something, she used to find out for me. And so my father finally said to her, she has a voice. She can be heard. As a matter of fact, not until I got into junior high school did I ever ask a question because the teachers pretty much said, you just let us talk. And they didn't want to have, they didn't have question and answers in elementary school. It was amazing. Not until I got wow. into junior high school. Doing, yeah. Look. So look what look what you're doing now, friend. You're asking me question after question after question. I I know it's it's amazing, and that's because <laughs> my sister died, and that was another mystery that we haven't solved. She said I had to retire from oh, teaching because my mom had Alzheimer's, and I wasn't going to retire because I was too young, but I had no choice. And she said, "You look like a big fat couch potato." I weigh 106 pounds. I weighed 190 pounds. Because I was just eating for no reason. And she said to me, why don't you write a book? I said, and you're going to be so sorry because I'm going to write it about us growing up in the Bronx. And she hated me for doing it, but she said it was probably the most honest thing I ever wrote because I actually said what I thought about my mother. And then she said to me, you have a big mouth. Why don't you go and have a radio show? So that's where MJ Network came from. Well, what oh happened God. was well, there was um, a host. There was a host that found out about my first book, My Name is Bertha. It's true stories. It wasn't one of my best, but it was the first time I gave it a shot. And 
This lady said, would you get on the, this this uh, my program and read a chapter from your book? Needless to say, I said, oh, you've got to be kidding me. I read it, did it twice, and then the third time she gave me a, an hour on her network once a month on her. Wow, really? And then when you were there, when she sold it, the author, the person that took it over charged everybody money every month. And then I went and I was on somebody else. I went and got this network two years ago because I like doing it by myself. And it works better that way. But, yeah. Go, history. <laughs> whoever thought, I, whoever history. thought this quiet person would ask questions, but, yeah. <laughs> so what information wow. does he get when his friend I, – I always wanted to learn how to hack a computer and hack into something. This is so cool. What is information when he gets hacker rooster digs deeper into Josie's life? What does he learn, and what information does he need? I mean, that is so cool to be able to do that. Oh well, well, part of the design of the book is that I wanted some, I wanted to use all these sort of disparate skills that the butterflies had, and so, mm-hmm. and yes, uh, you know, he he reaches out to uh, our buddy Rooster. Again, we don't know much about, but we he suspects is some sort of computer hacker mm-hmm. guy. And so he says, all right, look, he, again, he hits a wall in his investigation, so he sort of throws a line out to Rooster being like, look, I'll pay you. Can you just figure out anything you can on this woman? Because nowadays mm-hmm. you know, our lives are so digital. There, there's got to be a trail of something. And, you know, the first thing Rooster does is, is sort of, for better or for worse, just hands him like these pictures of Josie, and 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 it's this moment of like, oh, this, it's it's almost like a violation of of her sense of privacy. Of course, you know, even though she's dead, like Sam just feels like he's violated her, and so mm. he sort of says, no, 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 I don't, I don't want that, I don't want that. I just want to know, like. I want to know what her secret playlist was. I want to know what the what what was she was talking to her friends. And so, you know, he, he wants to read her emails, to, and not not for any sort of, uh, or he tells himself not for any sort of dubious reasons. More just to figure out like what was going on in her life. If there was some some um, will towards her, if maybe maybe that. And so. Uh, he uses Rooster that way to try and get into sort of her the, the back channels of her life. I just had to turn my computer back on. <laughs> oh, I don't no know way. the thing that the screen. That's okay. The screen went black. This time I just figured out how to do it. I don't understand why that happened. I think if the computer is on more than three hours or something, all of a sudden yeah, yeah, yeah. it just. I don't care. It's fine now. So now this was interesting. I like Slice. So tell us more about Slice and his past. And Sam draws an article about him, and he's not too happy. What does he say about it? Well, just to back up, I mean, it's sort of Sam. There's always this push and pull in the story about Sam, and, and mm-hmm. at the end of the day, he's trying to be a writer, and some of this is. Mm-hmm. is a little autobiographical because as a writer I'm always I'm always trying to sort of write what excites me but I'm also trying to write something that's entertaining mm. and mm. I think sometimes there's sort of this push and pull between write, write what you love versus write what will sell and what's exciting mm-hmm. and I think Sam at first was sort of pulled into 
as people often are, like, oh, this is going to be a great story, and I'm going to sell it. And in his sort of attempt to be a novelist, writes this mm. book that is that is not good <laughs> because that's all he did was change mm. the market. And and so in this in this story, as he's sort of at this crossroads trying to figure out what what's right, you know, he's always he's had this he's got this buddy Slice at the bar, and he knows Slice has this sort of shady past. Mm. And he's and after you know he's sort of a burst of inspiration. He says, you know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna figure out what's going on with Slice because I, I I love this guy. He's so unique and 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 there's a mystery about what happened and why he why they he got fired from the force, but no one really knows why and got mm-hmm. put, put, kicked to the curb without a pension, which. You know, after putting in a lot of years on the force, like that's that's devastating. Mm-hmm. So he sort of, in this sort of a B story of this murder investigation, tries to figure out more about. And so he starts. He says, "Slice, can I can I write an article on you?" And Slice is a little taken aback, and but he starts digging into Slice's history and who he was and what happened in his sort of fall from grace where he was sort of a, a baller cop back in the day and and just crossed the line um, with a civilian and it was never really it was never really talked about but it was it was sort of, he was sort of shown the back door uh from policing and, and it sort of was his downfall. That's what's scary, though, about the news, the media, and articles. Anybody could write an article about you, and they don't need permission. It's okay. That's what's scary. Well, I, yeah, I, I, I agree. It can be very scary, and I think in this case, yeah, you know, slice goes along with it. You know, so I feel like, you know, Sam is sort of torn. On one hand, he's like he doesn't mm-hmm. want to ex- expose any sort of. Uh, demons in, in Slice's past at the same time if the truth is if, if Slice didn't want Sam to know why would he tell him you know mm-hmm. and, and so or maybe he's just being duped as, as a friend you know sometimes I've heard stories or I, I know people mm-hmm. who sort of felt like they forgot they were talking to a journalist and <laughs> exposed yeah. great parts of their life and all of a sudden it's like well, I didn't think you would actually put that in the story. Um, and so, so what happens in, in our narrative, it, it sort of turns out that uh, of all the things Sam has written, even though this is the last maybe commercial thing, uh, it gets gets some attention from his long-lost agent and some other people who are sort of all of a sudden excited. Well, before I forget, right. Thursday mm-hmm. at 12... Dr. Christina Laporte dissection. On the 24th, Linda Bond, All the Broken Girls. On the 25th, and he just emailed me, my reading professor, Dr. George Cavuto, is sending over the talking points for our discussion about different topics in reading. So if anybody has a child that has a learning disability, has a problem reading, has a problem comprehending, you're going to learn a lot from both of us. On the 26th, the author of 13 Hour Chaos. On the 27th, Brian Freeman, Zero Night. And on the 1st, what better way to start November than with Deb Pines and Wicked Schemes? And that's just part 
of November, and I would be remiss if I didn't say on November 8th, the one and only one of my favorite people in the universe, Philip Margolin, is going to take on another Robin Lockwood mystery. That's just some of what I got in store for me and you. So tell us about Pinner and what happens when Sam goes to Patriot Strong and how come he's attacked? Poor Sam. I know. I I just can't catch a break. Uh, I know. And then he gets arrested. That's even worse. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, so just to back up, he... Pinner, Pinner is the sort of lead detective on the case proper by, by the LAPD cops who are running the, the sort of serial killer. And so by way of the bartender, Giles, Pinner knows Sam and sort of introduces him to the case. And, and Pinner's a good cop. He sort of does his due diligence. Uh, mm-hmm. But he's, he's, he's more interested in sort of, I guess, the the most practical and easiest solution. You know, his, his business is not digging deeper uh, so much, which I, you know, it's a bit of a, I would say, a flaw of, of, our, mm. <laughs> of our lead homicide detective in the case. Um, but uh, he, so that that's Pinner, and then, Sam starts to investigate Patriot Strong, yes, and he um, he crosses a line, Fran. He uh, does some, a little a little breaking and entering uh, there, and uh, unfortunately gets arrested. For his, for his I like Sam. His, well, he, he he yeah he gets sort of beat up by these yeah, Patriot Strong, and uh, but thankfully he's got. Uh, a back pocket friend who's a surgeon, so he 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 got some, some allies, but he he, he survives okay and, and sort of uh, gets back on his feet. Well, if he wants to keep doing this investigation, he better take some martial arts. Seriously, he's going to have to learn <laughs> to defend himself. Yeah, you 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 have to. Yeah. I mean, doing what I did, I was the dean. And you have to learn how to protect yourself, and I don't. And I don't mean from the kids because they would never do anything. But you just never know what's going to happen, so you have to have some way of making sure nobody slams you or something like that. Everybody should know how to defend themselves to a point. So, what happens when Slice is asked to have his article, a story, as a television series? Does it work out? That is so cool. Well. It 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 uh, yeah. What happens is Sam sort of is enamored, or this producer is sort of enamored by the article, and sort of says, "Well, let's let's get you some money, and let's," which is I think every sort of writer's dream, right? They get the call, being like, "We want, we we love your idea, we love your voice, we want to we want to get it out there and show the world, and we're gonna pay mm-hmm. you for your words." and and for for any writer, that is that's the gold. That's the gold. And so, at first, Sam is, is just thrilled, and he's finally he's finally got a win. And it all kind of it all kind of goes sideways because, as is often the case, especially in Los Angeles, sometimes. Uh, you know, as things get sort of go through the 
the interpretation it gets muddled down and, and sort of the version that the producer sees based on the article is it's something very different than Sam had imagined. You know, like he wants to make he wants to make Slice younger and he wants to put it in like a yeah. Culver City, which is a very different flavor of LA than Glendale. And so all of a sudden all this promise and the gold of like, oh, this is gonna be sort of something that I really love and believe in is just sort of watered down to the sort of mass marketed machine of, of maybe television and so it sort of puts a bad taste in in Sam's mouth and sort of fractures his relationship with Slice. Well I, I could understand that because I know so many authors that have had their books or their or their not T V on T V. And I know that um when one of them I won't say who actually was on the program and had to answer questions of the people, she said that they did change the character. As a matter of fact, the main character, the main two characters were much older and looked more like police detectives and said they had these two glamorous people that don't fit. And the show is still on. It's just that they do do that, and it just sort of kills it. That's right. It's just like, yeah, I mean, I... I, I it, it's sort of, I, I, don't even, I don't even watch the show because it sort of kills it. Right. I mean, I think, you know, the, I, I've adapted stuff, and I think the, the, the rule is if you, mm. if you can capture the spirit of the characters and the spirit of the novel, and, yeah. you know, I sort of always look to, like, L.A. Confidential, which is a very sprawling uh, mm-hmm. crime novel, but the movie is distilled. You know, they strip away so there's two there's two big cases in the in the novel, but they yeah. strip away one completely, and they still, I think, so so I think it's okay to to alter things, and I think that is that is inevitable. And if you are an author who sells a book to some other medium and don't expect it to, you're in for a you're in for a roller coaster because that's just it's going to change. Like that, that's just the nature of the beast, but. When I think what when when, it, when you do get into trouble is when the spirit of the thing is just completely vacated and it's like oh we'll just take sort of the housing or the the architecture or the, or, or one piece and sort of profit off it then I think like I don't know then I think you're in for for sparks. I get them all the time. You know, I got one yesterday, which I really, that's which brought this up, is that this guy, this um, author's public consultant or something from a book company read a book that I wrote mm-hmm. like 10 years ago, Bertha Speaks Out. And of course, my character's Bertha, me. And it's a whole yeah. long story. And he said, I can get you in touch with Hollywood movie stars and producers and stuff. We have a package, and we'll get you on on, uh, television, and you'll be famous. And I deleted the message because that's exactly what I thought about it. I I didn't even bother. I didn't even bother to answer. Then I get another one um, about 10 of them. We could promote your book for this much every month because we think you're wonderful. What exactly do you think is wonderful? I said, I deleted those two. So you have to be careful. Wow, well, you're, so, you, that, that's, the, that's the magic sauce. Anytime you say no to someone in Hollywood, they get very interested. They're like, wait a minute, what do you mean you said no? They'll yeah. get even more interested. That's true. What snaps in Sam, and when does he realize the uh, truth about what happened to Josie? 
and you they connect the Patriot song strong and backyard dreams. So they're not. Mm. So what what makes him realize the truth uh, without saying what it is? Yeah, I, I you know I I sort of want the reader to discover that as, mm-hmm. as Sam does, because um, that's sort of the fun. And it's, you know, the fun turn in the book where he realizes mm-hmm. that after all these scrapes and all the, you know, he gets arrested, he gets sort of beat up and he gets, you know, he starts drinking and, and that's, you know, obviously in a bar all the time. Um, all these things start slipping away in his life and he starts, he really starts putting his own sort of value of who he is as a person into his investigation and and it all keeps crashing down and mm. and uh but there's he discovers thanks to his investigating that there is a link and that's sort of what what buoys him and sort of um gets him through a rough patch, <laughs> I would say. That 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 all his work, that all all his sort of failings was was Mm. Not necessarily for not that there might be something to uh, this this uh, path that he has forged. So what happens in the end, without saying what it that changes it all, and how do we know that some of this is greed and power that come into play? Greed and power, yeah, I. I Ultimately, you know, sure, the, 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 the sort of the the killer is unmasked and mm-hmm. and I think it, it has a lot to do with actually to, to be part of a family and to trust and to sort of want mm-hmm. to protect those around us in the same way that Sam... Yeah. After it's all said and done, and he's had his his faults, he sort of sees these these flawed souls around him as part of a family, uh, and, and sort of sees that. You know, I listened to this interview once of a woman said, "I love my son, but if he robbed a bank, I would still call the cops." And mm. and I think that was such an interesting way to frame that I'm a parent and and. The extent we go to protect people we love, and I think mm. that to me is greedy. If if mm. you are protecting someone who has clearly crossed the line, and and mm. and that and that is that is a version of power, I would say, Fran, where you are you are empowering them to you know to sort of get away with murder. That's a very long-winded uh, answer, and I'm, obviously I'm being a little coy because I don't want to give away any spoilers. No, you didn't. They don't want to. They still want to know. <laughs> so okay. I this this is interesting, and I've read like I don't even tell thousands of books seriously. So you did this in a timeline from uh, October yes. 11th to the 20th, right? About thinking about 11, 10, 11 days, right? That's kind of hard to do. And what happens when Sam realizes? He might be in danger. You can't kill Sam. No, nobody could kill Sam. Well, I, I, Sam could certainly get killed, but I certainly, uh, as the hero of the story, I, I would not want him to 
to perish. No, but um, uh, sorry, so so I, I blanked on your question there. Sorry, Fran. What, what was what was what was the question? Why why did I'll, Sam... I'll, I'll I'll change it. Okay, Sam Sam realizes he's in danger, but where do you see him next? Where do you see him going? Is oh. this story over? Is this story over or are you going to continue it some more? Because I could see where this can go in other directions. That's just me. Yeah, no, I, I, I hope to continue the universe. I think the challenge with, with making it Sam's story is that Sam is not a cop. He's not a PI. He's not... Mm-hmm. Um, he's not an, a, a typical investigator. So, uh, if if he were to get involved with the case, it needs to it needs to make sense, and, and you know, he mm-hmm. needs to have some sort of connection to it. Um, so that's sort of, to me, that's the the that's the that's the needle needs to be thread. Um, but I, I and I also see a version where the, the the engine of the bar continues on. So we learn maybe more about what Giles' life was like. Yeah. Because um, uh, I, for me, Giles is a very uh, compassionate character, and, and I sort of I think there's some good story gold to be mined from his history and sort of uh, his world. So I think I think there's. Uh, an opportunity to keep keep going with the world of, of the damn lovely for sure. Thanks well, what about you. Allison? What about Allison? Because the ending, I get the feeling that maybe there's something there between her and Sam, or they're good, just good friends. I like Allison. I do too. I'm, I'm so glad. I, I, yeah, I, I, uh, you're one of the first people who's mentioned Allison in, in such, uh, See, in that? such a, a way. And pardon. No, you see, that I do I get something. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, because I think I, I, I had to be, I'll be honest, I haven't really, I don't know what happened sort of at the, you know, after, at, at the end of the book, but I, but I suspect those two characters would stay in touch. I don't know if they would be uh, romantic or not, but I, I, yeah, I just sort of in in the sort of uh, almost Shawshank Redemption way that these two, mm-hmm. these two are just are just friends, and and I think I think I think that can still happen, you know. I think that that's a good part about it, and I love Pa and Lily, and and the characters are just so true to life, and you know how many books I've read, too many. And sometimes I, I just read one, and I'm saying this is a New York. She's not New York Times, but she's an you know famous author. And I'm reading the the murder, and I'm saying the the main character is really good because she really wants to go after who killed whomever. But by the time they reveal who it is, I was like, it didn't make sense. The whole plot didn't make sense. And when I finally realized that it was this girl that was after revenge for four guys, and it just by the time they, they brought her into it, I go like, this is like, oh, my God, why am I reading it? So at least when I'm reading this one, I'm saying, okay, I can follow it, and I wasn't, it was interesting. If a book, to be very honest, Adam, if a book takes me more than a day to read, except if the font is really small, um, it's, it's, <laughs> it's no good. 
And the font in this book is big enough for me to read it in like two hours, which is good. And then what wow. I do is I go back I go back over it to make sure that I've got it so that I know that I, I, I have the right questions. So what's next for you? What can we expect uh, next? I'm, I am working on another novel, um, and it's, it's, it's sort of tangentially related to this one. Um, and I'm, I've just got a slew of sort of TV projects that I'm I'm jamming on, so we'll see if those come to light. That that is that is great. I am attempting to write another. I write from the point of view of the dead body behind the gravestone. That did something oh, wow. wrong. Cool. Yeah, uh, you know, my sister died under weird circumstances, so when I went to her unveiling to unveil the stone, and I ran the ceremony and did the whole thing myself. Um, I asked her, how, how did that happen? You had a heart attack. What caused it? Who caused it? Well, I know who caused it, but that's beside the point. And I said, wouldn't it be interesting? And I went around the cemetery taking names of different people that were there, and I said, I wonder why you're there. How come you're there? Did you do something wrong? And I said, wouldn't it be cool to write a book about dead people telling why they're there? And yeah, some of them. That's really cool. So this this next one is is going to be called. That's if I ever sit down and finish it. Accusations, the accused, and the first part of people that are wrongly accused, and the second part is going to be about people that deserve to be dead. What can I say? Mm, so I like it. Uh, yeah, it's different. I am different. Let me tell you. <laughs> so where can everybody get all? Where can everybody get this book? And of course, I want the next one that you write. Before everybody else gets it. Yeah, uh, Down and Out Books published this. So you can get it from their website. You can get it from mm-hmm. all your the big retailers uh, out there. Um, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, all those, all, uh, all of those. And um, and I'm on Twitter, so uh, that's sort of the easiest access point. Uh, I'm on Instagram, but no, I'm not very good at Instagram. I'm better at Twitter. I guess <laughs> because I. You know, I'm a word guy, um, and I have a website called uh, Adam Frost Writes, uh, which you can check me out there uh, as well. So thank you so much. This has brightened my day. Let me tell you, and it's raining here. Right, thank you. But it's so bright. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a great. No, it's great raining. Chat. Where are you exactly? Uh, I am in. Atwater Village, Los Angeles, which is on the east side. Nice. Uh, sort of the northeast side. Yeah. So it's, it's sunny here. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, my cousins are in um, San Francisco, and some of them are in Los Angeles, and everybody's everywhere, and I'm in Westchester, freezing. But it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, lived, it's, I lived in Montreal and Toronto for four, for eight years, so I, I know the cold all too well. You know something, and I don't put on it. It's what is it outside? I'll tell you exactly. My phone app. I love this. It's 61. It's hot out there. I don't even need a jacket. Seriously. But Adam, thank you so much. This has been great, and I'm glad I did this. And I'm glad I did it from. I don't normally do shows, but except between 10 and 11. But it, this, I'm so I'm glad I did it at 11. I had time to do everything else, and this is great. Your books are fan- the book is fantastic. It's called The Damn Lovely by Adam Frost. Uh, for those of you, I-, I would get a couple of million copies. After all, Hanukkah's coming up and so is Christmas. And they make great presents books. 
And to, to me, so they're my favorite present in the week. Yeah, no, I'm the lucky. I, I think I love what I do because they just send me the books, and it's fantastic. And I'm glad I got this one. Thank you, Gina. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you, Partners in Crime. They keep me nice and busy. Thank you, Adam. Everybody have a great day, and bye.